Have you asked Elon Musk for help? Game no, voice. that's the one thing I haven't done. I haven't gone down to that rich guy's mansion that he's living at so he doesn't have to pay taxes here. Um, Buy a really long Ethernet cable and hook it into like his garage and then wheel it back to your house. Austin's a small town. Run it from Lake Austin to Heritage Hills in like six, eight miles. Steal that, steal that next gen, that 6G. Yeah, well, I, got, I mean, I could just steal internet. Like, Forest has fiber. So, mm-hmm. I could just run Ethernet cable from Forest to my house for like two ish miles. Yeah. And then I'd be in the mix. If, if, if Biden had just given every single American fiber, he would be president for life, which, like, you know, six months. Yeah. I mean, honestly, no matter what he does, he's going to be president for life because, like, he's true, true, yeah. on death's door. But yeah. <laughs> He That's lo- how we should refer to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially. Ugh, God, I don't want to think about it. Man, the person we were canvassing for in Austin won their election today. I just learned. Uh, big rats, and they and they mentioned uh, a young gamer boy yeah. that wormed his way into the hearts of They're like, cold, uh, jaded voters that never saw an opportunity to really have their voice yeah they were like heard. we never would have won this election by 47 percent if it wasn't for this one gamer <laughs> who knocked mm-hmm. on maybe 50 doors <laughs> um but yeah so that's great news we're, we're, so we're we're vibing out here it's what's the scariest part of knocking on someone's door in like in the modern era like an era where like doors typically aren't aren't approached and like doordash people are famously treated like weird little gargoyles <laughs> like uh yeah i mean that's the yeah. there's nothing like super scary about it but the weirdest part is definitely when someone has a ring doorbell and then they like kind of halfway open their door and they're like yes and it's like why are you like right like what experiments are you doing in there that you don't want me to see like i'm just here to like hand you a flyer and be like have you heard of cheeto vela he's the best candidate for city council Mm-hmm. Um, and and the people open the doors though I'm coming to be like I'm gonna get your kids like it's very people, people don't like human co- well the people aren't used to people coming to their doors anymore you know we we need to bring back some sort of milkman of the modern era yeah that is just to relax people that is really true last year when there was a Texas freeze and my friends and I got all that food from Louisiana and drove it back and we were like distributing it around different neighborhoods uh, I remember Brendan and I went to someone's house we knocked on the door with like a, we had like a like a crate of food. And they opened the door and this guy was like, what do you want? And we were like, to give you this food. Like, what's going on? He was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like answer the door that way. And I was like, yeah, well, that's just the that's just the way it is now, though. That's what it's like. It It is awesome that uh, like every so often Texas becomes like Snowpiercer. That's great. Yeah. No, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty cool that every once in a while uh, Brian and I have to drive seven hours or 14 total hours uh, from here to Louisiana and back to get food because fucking H-E-B gets frozen by the winter storm. (laughs) Um, It's cool and it's indicative of a well-run municipality and state, I Mm -hmm. think. And and one of my favorite future countries. Uh, But, you know, Lux, speaking of trains that I live on and I can't possibly get off of. Welcome to Game Boys. Hey, yo, welcome to Game Boys. I'm one of your hosts and my name is Lux. And I am Griffin, your other host. And of course, we're always joined by that cruel conductor lady who runs the train, Haley. The Tilda Swinton to our two extras who aren't credited in the movie. (laughs) 
and oh. we can't help but be in awe at her outfits. Yeah, and her cool glasses. Honestly, oh. I, I, I'd I love to be the guy that gets his arm frozen off. Yeah, that's a good guy to be. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to be one of those people who's in the bar, uh, you know, like looking at some fish. <laughs> and he gets, he gets like- axed in the, in like the back of the head and dies quick. I like that. My favorite part of the, of the design of the train is they're like, all right, so what are we going to put right next to the jail cell full of under people? Let's put like the preschool there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put like the, the first grade teacher's well, classroom there. In a lot of ways, Snowpiercer is like a, de- a story of the decline of the middle class, because if you really look at the mapping of it, you go from just like dungeon to food processing place to preschool and the preschool super fancy from the preschool you just go straight into like the bar where everyone's looking at fish and it's all techno glowy and then there's like the sauna like there's no sort of like you know uh it department (laughs) or other like these sort of like classically middle class area (laughs) Mm -hmm. damn yeah there's no uh there's definitely like no, not a lot of wheelchair accessible locations either. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, fucking the Snowpiercer train is ableist and therefore canceled. No one mentioned the homeless architecture, anti-homeless yeah, architecture the, the of the train. architecture of the Snowpiercer train. <laughs> Great call. Um, so actually, speaking of movies, I forgot to talk about this in the rundown yeah. we did before, but mm-hmm. uh, there are there were two hilarious Disney meltdowns on Twitter the past couple days disney meltdown okay it's it's weird because like that when you say disney meltdowns you literally just mean movie news happen because they own so many things now that it could be about anything yeah but these are about like classically disney uh properties um let's go so the first one this one's like a quick story just want to just this is one event the second one is more reactive uh some person tweeted about encanto and they were like i don't like the strong lady and the reason I don't like the big strong lady is because it makes it seem like if you're just physically strong, you can endure all of the struggles of being a lady. And it's like painting this picture that like if you want to endure as a woman, you have to get big and strong. And then like no less than 45 minutes later after this inane tweet, they posted again and they were like, well, now that I've seen her song, I understand that she's talking about dealing with the pressure of being a woman in her family and that her strength is a metaphor for sort of all forms of strength. However, I think my point still stands. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was so dope to see someone just be wrong about a movie, admit they were wrong and be like, but I'm still correct. <laughs> That's commitment to a, to the first take. Yeah, totally. And there was another guy who did the same thing, but he was like, uh, this is basically tra- a trans person. Everyone was like, no, it's a buff lady. And he went the yeah. fuck off. That one was also, that one has a little more depth to it, but it was just sort of in the same genre. The one that I'm really <laughs> stuck on today is mm-hmm. Peter Dinklage went on Mark Maron's podcast. And Peter Dinklage okay. was like. All right. I know what you're going to say. They're making this new Snow White and it's great that they have a Latina Snow White and it's great that they have a diverse cast for everyone else. Uh I don't think it's great that they have seven fucking dwarves who are magical and work in a mine. And like, I don't know if that's like a progressive imagery. Um, Uh This is something about which Peter Dinklage is, I think almost indisputably correct. 
Um, hmm. uh, and Disney people got so mad. I literally saw a post that was like, look, these dwarves live in a house and they have jobs. This is good representation. And it's like their job is they sing in a mine. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? But it's it's my favorite Disney thing, which is that Disney people will like talk about the value of representation and progressive values all fucking day. And as soon as someone's like, Disney's not living up to those values, they're like, <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. And then they bust out the guns. Like, people are coming for Peter Dinklage. Who- well, Disney Mafia is real. Disney Hit Squad <laughs> Dude, is real. Disney Hit Squad is so real. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I want to I wanna see where Peter Dinklage is coming from on that. But I also then I'm like. Okay, so like we can't do like the Oompa Loompas anymore in like the Charlie Chocolate Factory. I'm, I'm just like trying to figure out like what what the line is uh, on this stuff no. because like to me it's like an old just classic like Disney cartoon. There's like talking birds and like witches and, and yeah, stuff. I think his point is that if we're trying to progressivize these stories, then sort of picking and choosing what sets of people get progressivized isn't actually particularly progressive. Um, whereas like, I don't think, I I don't think he would object to something like the Oompa Loompas, given the way he talked about this, or like, given the fact that he's, you know, playing Cyrano de Bergerac, where it's like, he has to play a nasty looking ugly man, (laughs) you know, to, Mm -hmm. to make that story work. Like, I don't think he's opposed to that stuff. I just think that he correctly is sniffing out a little bit of intellectual dishonesty with like the Disney progressivism thing because it's so like pick and choose. Um, so they should, they shouldn't make the movie is what he's saying. I think he's just saying that like maybe reconsider how like, he was like, I think of this quote, he had a thing he said that was on lines of like, if you want to just totally redo this as like a really fully progressive, inclusive movie, I think that fucking rules. Um, I just don't think that it's, it, it, I don't think you can call it that if you're also having seven magical dwarves who live in a mine and all have a house together and have silly names and are just like, doobity, doobity, doobity. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't make it is, I guess, the take. I'm just trying to figure it out. I think it's, like, I think I'm, it's I'm other, just trying to be as good faith as possible with like, what's totally, being presented. I think it's like I think it's if you're going to make it like go all the way with it, that like making it be be racist. <laughs> Like I <laughs> wait, like like wait, like be go all the way with uh, the, being the progressive the opposite. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. be progressive. Yeah, if you're gonna do that and you're gonna call the movie that, then like do it. And then if people are gonna mm-hmm. talk about the rest of the movie is and not engage with this element of it, that just contributes to like a persistent like you know like ableist sort of culture surrounding dwarfism and, and people you know differently able people. And I think he's right about that. And I think with particular, the, I don't think he'd seem as right about it to me. If the Disney if the Disney fan reaction hadn't been what it was like a bunch of people just showed up and proved him entirely correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah, it's like it's hard to yeah, it's hard to not be on his side when when the Disney adults are coming for him. Yeah, exactly. It's hard not to be on his side when he was like, maybe we should think about how like, you know, we're still reifying uh, negative images of like uh, dwarves and, and, and differently abled people in this movie, even though we're trying to do this progressive thing. And a bunch of people were like, it's good when dwarves are in mines and they sing. That's what they mm-hmm. like. And it's good for them. And it's where they want to. It's like it just really proved his point 100 percent correct, like instantly from these like what? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just this. it happens a lot with Disney stuff, right? Like whenever Disney makes a thing that isn't. Like that has like a gap in a sort of like progressive worldview, which happens a lot because it's an evil fucking corporation. Um, the Disney people just like 
like are like we're very progressive and someone will be like well i don't know if you're actually it's like guns cock and they're like we're very progressive this reminds me too of sort of the 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 gray areas and sort of the more uncomfortable conversations about like all sorts of fantasy creatures whether it's like orcs uh in certain properties or dwarves or goblins uh and it's like so a lot of these may have like racist trope like ancestry to them and stuff like that but does that mean that like we can't make fantasy worlds with these creatures anymore is there a way to distance ourselves from like their histories and like retake them um yeah. and like have like cool ways to do them like i think these are the more interesting questions to be having about it yeah i mean i, th- I think there's two things about that one right is just like recontextualize them like what if what what if orcs had a library <laughs> You know, like, what if that's what orcs were doing in this story or something? You know what I mean? Like, they don't always have to be, like, big, dumb, like, clear stand-ins for a specific image of, like, you know, sort of uh, pre-colonial people. Like, they mm-hmm. can do other stuff. Um, the other thing is just, like, you can also, of course, and this is something I think people are are slow on, is, like, if you show sort of the way – if they – if you give them a society – these behaviors become justified in like a more sort of modern milieu as opposed to just like, it's an orc. He's born. He's mean. He's angry. And he loves to eat bones. Like comes from the mud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like default. Let's do it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that when you put those things in the context of society where like it has, there are norms and there are behaviors and there are rules and shit that, that generate these kind of behaviors that generate these kind of, of, of sort of patterns then you can sort of lean into – then you can mirror real life in a way that isn't just like if someone's born an orc, they're always a nasty little orc. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing people take umbrage with, right? Is that like like the D&D orcs thing, just to go to that for a second, was that like every orc is born with minus one intelligence, <laughs> right? Like in the rules of the game. And I think that mm-hmm. – and that's like default to the race, not to the society, and so they're yeah. just like, these things are born stupid. And mm-hmm. I think that's sort of the pushback, right? Is the idea that anyone is like born stupid, independent of any structural thing, right? Like you and obviously you can homebrew the rules however you want, but if you want to tell the story, of, if you want to play by the rules, but tell the story of like an orc who was raised by wizards, he'd be born stupid, even if he was raised by wizards. And I think that in a fictional sense, that sucks because like, why wouldn't that orc just be like a, a nerd who's smart and raised by wizards? Like it doesn't fucking matter. Right. But in the general sense, I love representation of people who are born stupid. Uh, right. But that's just me personally. I'm not saying we should have fewer stupid people in media. If anything, I think we should have more because people start to think that being smart is good in a way that is not great for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not fun. Not 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 popcorn moments for me here at home. Yeah. No, for sure. It is. Uh, you know, I, I got to see um, I got to see a screener of an upcoming film that I cannot uh, disclose because of my NDAs for work. But in it, there's a part where a guy who's supposed to be smart looks at a poster for SpaceX and goes, what would Elon do? Um, <laughs> and that's in the, that's in the movie. Um, and I, that sucks. <laughs> like, get, get that off of my screen. I would much rather if he had like looked at like, a wall and seen a picture of like the Oric High and been like, meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> Yeah, Um, (laughs) that's that's the thing. It's like, I don't know. I feel like 
what's so clear about Elon Musk and Joe Rogan and these types is that like males need a hero figure in their lives. They need someone to aspire to be uh, someone that like to them makes the world still seem full of opportunity and and life. And I feel like we're never going to like get them off of like these guys by like making fun of them. It's like, they're it's my fucking hero. Like they're, they have the Tesla. They're fully bought into the thing. Yeah. I think the only way to like, actually like, uh, uh you know, uh, de-hook these people is just give them like, a better guy, like a better person to aspire to well, be. I, I think so. I was just talking this recently. Um, I, so one, a podcast I listen to a lot is this podcast, all fancy, everything by Ian Carmel and uh, David Bory and Sean Jordan are, I think the three, the three hosts. And it's like a very good, healthy picture of like adult masculinity in terms of like why it's good and what the values are and what's cool about it. Um, and I feel like people need more shit like that in their lives because like people evaluate masculinity in terms of like, like you're saying, like having the cool car and the cool house or whatever. And so like mm-hmm. those are the heroes they aspire to have. But those heroes, A, like don't have any ethical anything because they're horrible capitalist monsters. B, don't have any sort of like social implication. Like you can't hang out with people the way Elon, you can't, you can't hang out with people and talk the way that Elon Musk talks. Like, you can't. Like, it's not possible. Everyone would hate you instantly. Um, and But these people, like you're saying, latch onto these figures because they're like, they have all the trophies. And I think mm-hmm. that, like, that's the thing is, like, trying to, like, disabuse people of the notion that the trophies are the value in and of themselves. Yeah. And that they should be pursuing that. And and sort of reintroduce the idea that, like, you know what's cool about being a dude? Fucking broing down with the homies and grilling a piece of chicken and yelling at a, at a tree and just like getting really drunk and trying to learn how to throw a knife like that's that's the cool stuff yeah i think i think a lot, i think some of it's positive more positive forms of masculinity but i think it's also just even just like outside of like uh ma- like masculine stuff it's like these ideas of like success and stuff like that that are like even more universal to all humans um and like you're not, you're just like, you can't just like tell, tell them to stop watching it. Like they need to like have a new like drug. You have to hook them on something else and you just got to hook them on another, another type of guy. Yeah. Hook them on fucking bros, dude. Bros chilling. Just bros <laughs> um, kicking back. Uh, there's a few other news stories though, Lux, Let's do that it. we have to get into. Let's hear it. Um, and, and you know, speaking of just like, it's sort of in the same territory of like, people being sort of obsessed with something uh nfts uh the thing that i still don't fully understand don't want to um it's tanking i don't know why but it's tanking well there are a few reasons why that i understand there are probably a lot more reasons why that i don't understand um because let's say that we're the definitive uh, sure Okay, so I've learned a few things about NFTs lately, just from some reading. Um, mm-hmm. And one thing that I learned is that NFTs and crypto are not nearly as decentralized as they present themselves as. Um, the reason owned, the, wrecked. The reason for this, right, is that <laughs> three sixty no scope. Your phone and your computer can't actually interact with the blockchain that goes through like apps like Infura or Alchemy or C Wallet. 
Of course. And what those apps do is they have APIs that can represent and show what's on uh, the blockchain and like what the is the middlemen fuck it all up. Right. But you have to have that, right? Because you can't you don't have a fucking server in your house that can engage with this stuff. Like that's you're not that's not how it works. You have to put the crypto in your in your arm. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could inject a sort of micro server into your own body and become a walking computer. But like <laughs> Be careful with that. Um, but uh, fucking yeah. So so these 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 sort of uh, mediating third party figures exist and they have access to things like, for instance, uh, some of this experiment where they made an NFT that if you viewed it through one of the apps, looked like one thing. If you did it through another one of the apps, looks like another thing. And if you viewed it by buying it, it was just the poop emoji. Um and the wallet, it's like the apps themselves just like deleted the NFT and got rid of it and removed it from the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that authority, that means there are ways people can infiltrate them and fuck with them. Yeah. Uh, that's been happening. <laughs> right. Um, and so this sort of it's super secure because of how decentralized it is and there's no power structure and overline, whatever is bullshit. Right. And the fact that it's bullshit is twofold. One Obviously, a lot of the power that you're giving up to these companies that run these like Infura or whatever is substantial and people don't think they're doing it. And two, it means that these things are hackable and manipulable. And so we've seen Mm -hmm. like a 15 million dollar fucking hack on Crypto.com. We saw the guy get Mm -hmm. hacked by the fucking dildo. Uh, Fucking Waka Flock of Flame was tweeting today about his NFT. Wait, I'm sorry. You got hacked by a dildo? There was a guy who plugged a USB charging dildo into his computer and had his uh wall his bitcoin wallet and nft wallet hacked um because that shit can happen uh fucking walka flock of flame was tweeting today about his nft wallet getting hacked and the thing that hacked his wallet um is a is like one level of it and if you delete the things that are infected it actually creates a private report where they can just steal more shit that way it like triggers a double virus somehow. I don't I'm not an expert on this shit, but I was just reading about it. Damn. Um, point being. More that like Waka Flocka Firewall. Yeah. Good point. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. T- um, I tipped my hat. That's that. Uh, that sound was. Um, but yeah. that's uh, that's that's wild. But yeah. So like they that's been happening. And so sort of the market for crypto for NFTs has started to a big part of it was like it's total security. All your shit's super safe. That's becoming evidently false. And so that's hurting the market in a bunch of ways. The other thing about it is that people are realizing (laughs) that NFTs aren't anything. That an NFT, it's not even, it's not, it's not even a JPEG. And in fact, I think earlier, other times this podcast, I referred to it as the receipt for a JPEG. It's not even that. It is Mm -mm. a piece of code that will take you to a URL that theoretically hosts the JPEG. That URL can be fucked with by these third-party people, by hackers, by fucking time. Like, it could just expire. Um, and so you people are starting to realize that, like, the, a lot of the shit, like, the technical shit that they sort of hand wave to be like, it's a techno revolution. Someone smarter than me is going to figure this out. Is actually has not been figured out by anyone because they're dumb as dirt. Um, and so between all of this and sort of other external factors and, and, and sort of the culture and that, everything, it's starting yeah, to just that's deteriorate. That's the worst part. To what you that last part that you said, the worst part about it psychologically has been being lectured to by idiots. Yes, that has been 
the worst part about all this. The idea that a bunch of like people with like divorced dad energy, no matter the age, uh, all decided that they were geniuses and that we had to catch up. That sort of condescension was just awful. Uh, round them up. The middlemen, rat them out and line them up. Yeah, like so many people uh, just like fucking, yeah, these exact sort of like lecturing idiots have just been like, hey, you don't understand how crypto and Web3 work and NFTs, uh-huh. the new fucking market. And like everything that everyone said was going to suck about this shit has sucked about this shit and very little of the shit that's actually been good has actually happened. So this leads us to the Paris Hilton clip. Uh, I hated this so much. So uh, Paris Hilton went on Jimmy Fallon. I haven't seen Paris Hilton in forever. She's really coming out of the woodwork, out of of the mausoleum for this one. Uh, She was like unveiling her NFT and like the audience is like, Kind of like vague clapping. I guess they probably have like audience light signs to cue them or whatever. Yeah. Um, that audience, was incredibly awkward. That audience did not seem enthused. Well, the audience doesn't understand what's happening and neither does anyone on stage. But what's very clear is like as the NFTs are crashing, all of these celebrities that got big into crypto have to unload these stupid NFTs as quickly as possible. So I think that we're going to see a bunch of celebrities trying to bail out really quickly out of this, which is going to be very funny. Yeah, it was that. Yeah. I mean, the market might respond who fucking knows, but like right now they all seem like they're freaking the fuck out, which is very funny. The best thing to me about that Fallon clip was just that like fucking they're doing this bit. That's just like two rich people talking about the rich people shit that they own and expecting like anyone to feel like this is good or cool. And it's like, even this audience who you definitely had producers being like, it's time to clap. They talk about it. They talk about it. Like you're like, yeah, we decided to get pregnant again or something. Yeah, totally. like, oh, that's, that's so cool. Let's see an ultrasound. Yeah. It's like, that's like, like that's the vibe of the conversation. He's like trying to tie it to, uh, to his like daughters where he's talking about like how he's dresses like the ape that he has. Um, and it's just like, get out of here. And it's, like, even this audience that's, like, getting fucking applause lights, it's getting producers coming up behind them being, like, make sure to clap, feels so tepid and uncomfortable because they're literally just watching two people who spent more money than the people that audience will ever have on pictures of fucking apes. And they're just talking to each other about these, like, million-dollar bullshit investments that they made. And so, like, obviously it's the also, audience doesn't give a shit. And it's very funny yeah, it's to watch also, that. It's weird, too, because the, the audience that watches these late-night shows still, and especially the audience that shows it to a live taping of it, are, like, Midwestern tourists, like, like boomers. Like, they don't really understand what NFT is, but... The writers for the show do and have bought crypto. <laughs> so it's this like weird thing that uh, and we see this sometimes on SNL when they pull like direct Twitter stuff where it's like the audience for the content has no idea what the writers of the show are talking about. Yeah. Like when they did the Elmo thing like last week or whatever, yeah. and just like fully fucking ate shit. <laughs> yeah. It's just like they don't. There's a there's like a widening cultural 
disconnect. And I think that's like really fascinating and where like, I don't know, things to used to be a little bit more like smooth and like uh, people would know what each other were talking about within like a 30 year span of art. Now it's like people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're only eight years younger than me. I mean, this is like why I think Sarah Squirm is so is actually doing so well on SNL right now is mm-hmm. because so for a lot of these people, uh, this is totally speculation. I don't work on a similar thing, but like for a lot of the people, it seems like they go on Twitter, they tweet takes that their people on Twitter who are in their sort of sphere are like, these are the right takes and they're good. And then they go back to the writer's room, they write jokes and sketches that are based on those takes and they put them out. Right. And these, these are like a really insulated group of people. Cause like Colin Joe's the people Colin Joe's cares about or whatever. Sarah squirms. Twitter shit is so not SNL. Like she's not doing SNL bait stuff on twitter she's just being like my pussy's a gun or whatever and like which rules mainly diarrhea stuff yeah Yeah, she's awesome i fucking she's the best um and then she goes to snl and i think that she's writing and performing snl without this sort of like pre-approved content of like the like fancy writers verse and is sort of just trying to write to the broadest possible audience because she's not doing it in this sort of like pre-fed way through Twitter. And I think that's why she's like been fucking, she's like already fucking feels like a standard on that show for like it just already, at least to me. And I think it's largely because like, she's not just translating the shit she sees on Twitter and she interacts on Twitter to SNL, but writing broad shit for everyone because she cannot write the shit that she interacts on Twitter for SNL. Cause SNL is not going to be like, I want to fuck a donkey that pukes shit. My name's Daryl. Like that's not going to happen. I mean, it's very clear that she has two alter egos and one of them is normal Sarah that can like do a lot of normal stuff on SNL. Yeah. Uh, And then there's Sarah Squirm uh, and respect to her. Yeah. Um, She rules. And, uh, you know, I got my eye on that one. Uh, So the few other stories. um, (sighs) Blizzard announces a brand new survival game set in a new universe. A place full of heroes we have yet to meet, stories yet to be told, and adventures yet to be lived as Bobby Kotick's assistant. Um, yeah, a world we've never explored before. A blizzard <laughs> where people feel good about working there. <laughs> they are trying to, they're going to keep Bobby, and Bobby is going to work intimately with this team. Well, I, they are trying to keep Bobby, I think, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, Lux, um, any reactions to this news? Blizzard announcing new IP right now. Yeah, um, it sucks. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> uh, fucking, are you serious? Like a bunch of your fucking workers are on strike. Raven QA is on strike. It's like fucking the people QA fucking Warzone are fucking on strike, mm-hmm. and Warzone's having like fucking bug problems. Like Warzone, Warzone is. I'm, I play Warzone, and it's falling apart. And honestly. Let it burn. Sure. I, 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 I've learned to love the glitches and I'm like, you know, it could be a little more broken. Well, it might get there. Cause like, and I'm supporting the union. Yeah. It's just one of those th- sort of, um, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things that's like, that's just like, get your shit in order. Like this is so transparent, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just really very obvious that it's like, and look, I've, from like the Jason Shire tweets and stuff like that, it sounds like this has been in the works for a while and that people are really excited about it and people have a lot of enthusiasm for the people who have worked on it and for the concept, whatever. But this just feels so clearly timed along with the Microsoft stuff to distract from the fact that they've had people on strike for weeks and have done jack shit about it, have no intention of doing jack shit about it. And that their goal here just seems very clearly to be like, 
just do the old Kansas City shuffle. Just like look over here. Well, the real action's happening over here. Um, yeah. I completely agree. Uh, and that's what makes it so like interesting that people who hate Blizzard working there are like, yeah, this game's really good. <laughs> They're like, yeah, this game's going to rock. Uh, and that's that's pretty crazy in the context of all the horrible things the company's done. So, yeah, we definitely will be tracking what's going on with these unions and have more to report in future weeks on the episodes, because I do think that's important to talk about in the show. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. But I also, you know, I do think very, very much that, like, this game probably is going to be sweet, but it's also just like like it's it's this thing that. When they do shit like this, it doesn't help the game, right? Because now that game is always going to be attached to the game that they did, that they announced to like people just be making jokes. Now, this is the game that they're using to like bust unions, right? Like this is going to be part of the discourse. And like that does no favors to all the people who worked really fucking hard on making this game. And if this game is as good as people say it is, that extra sucks because like they've clearly been busting their bonds to make a sweet thing. So it's like really helps no one. Totally. I agree with that. Um, and now for my dirty little secret lux. Okay. Uh, I played Overwatch last night. Overwatch 2? No, Overwatch 1. Okay. I don't know the situation with Overwatch, so I have no idea. But tell me about it. How I'm supp- was it? I'm supporting, I'm supporting a Blizzard game by playing it. I understand. I, that was my dirty I secret. understand this. Uh, it's uh, grim. And it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I had fun doing it. I felt bad. I felt dirty. But here's how I rationalize it. And let me t- and tell me if I'm wrong. Isn't it more powerful to play the game? And then when the strikers call for a, 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 a ban on Blizzard, then I then I stop playing. So they really feel me leaving. OK, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like that, because right now they're not calling for people to stop playing the game. Is this is this wrong at all? Uh, probably in a general sense, but like, it's. I mean, yeah, probably in a general sense because you're probably you're doing something that's helping this horrible company. But like, it's a is it is it specifically crossing a picket line is a different question that I honestly don't have the answer to because I just don't know because Blizzard does so many things and I have no idea if the people who are striking are Overwatch affiliated, if if strike if playing Overwatch hurts their efforts in a meaningful way or not. Um, I have no idea, frankly, because uh, there's, mm. you know, uh, it's like, for instance, if some people at- I'm hearing that I'm a good person and I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, well, you can just t- I'll let you have that if you want. Mm-hmm. Well, that was gaming confessionals. Thank you. Lux. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, uh, we, we have a few other game stuff to talk about. Yeah. You want to talk about Hitler's balls? Oh, yeah. We can do that real quickly. Damn. We're already 35 minutes in. And I thought we'd get to Hitler's balls on minute five. I mean, I, yeah, I kind of went the fuck off on a couple of things. Um, let's fuck. Let's fuck, let's get a quick Hitler's balls in there or, or ball. So this game, that's the controversy. OK, so the context for this is there's a game called Sex with Hitler. Sex with Hitler. Yes. Already do not want <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it's like an isometric shooter where you fight allies, and in between ally fights, you fuck Hitler. Yes. Um, for some reason, everything I said is not the controversy here. It's and it's really more like Hitler fucks you. That is from the images I'm looking at. That does seem to be the case. Yes. Um. So you, so you get railed by Hitler. So that already exists as art. Yeah. And then. And then there, you'd think that would be the, the controversy, mm-hmm. but, but no listener, you would be far wrong. 
Yeah. Because the greatest sin this game commits isn't one of trash or tastelessness. It's one of historical inaccuracy. All right. Yes, it is. Because Hitler, it is theorized, had but one nut. A singular testicle. And in the game, they gave him two. And that is apparently a big problem. A huge problem. People are like, Hitler definitely railed anime babes in his office, but he did not have two nuts. And I can't with this historical inaccuracy. It's just not my Hitler. Yeah, yeah, hashtag not my Hitler, honestly. Uh, yeah, so that's a big that's a big review controversy right now, uh, and I hope that there is a big update to the game because honestly, right now it's unplayable. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, here's hoping they get the ball situation fixed and everyone can enjoy sex with Hitler. Yeah. Good luck to mm-hmm. good luck to sex with Hitler. I'm sure no I'm sure from then on out it will be a satisfying experience and only normal people will play it. Yeah, a good game for normal people is what I think it'll probably turn into. Uh, but speaking of good games, Lux, uh, have you been playing anything? Just a quick game check in before we go to commercial break. Uh I've been I've been revisiting Wildermyth uh this past nice. week. Um it is so fun. It it looks great. It's so fun and like it's just so good how many choices you get to make in that game that like pay off in fun, silly ways. Like, it's just like it's I think the thing about it that I find so good is that I think most games where choice matters feel very heavy and full of like seriousness and weight and like import. Um, and Wildermist just like really fucking lightweight. So when I'm like, yeah, sure, this guy can get a firearm. Why not? Maybe he can't hold stuff anymore, but that's life. Um it's just like a fun, goofy thing. And it does affect him the rest of the time. It doesn't feel like I've made some like earth shattering choice. Right. Um, and I really like that. And I just think the game is really fun. They've, they've added some new, they keep adding um, because it's like a procedurally generated thing where it just randomizes like what scenarios, what situations you run into. They just keep adding more and more of those. Um, so it's continued to like stay fresh. Like it's been really fun because they've done like two or three updates since I was playing it seriously, like, uh, like six months ago. And, so uh, there's all this new shit that like I've never seen before, which is very, very cool. There's a new campaign coming out soon. A lot of people are saying it's one of the best games you can play on PC. So definitely one to check out for sure. Oh, yeah. How about you? Are you playing anything good and nasty? Um, I mean, it's weird because we both talked about this before we started recording that we're kind of like saving not only our money, but also like energy for like the big month of February. Um. And we both haven't really played a lot of new stuff this week. No, but we have not. I did start and play through uh, the first patch of Final Fantasy 14 and the first raid, which had a lot of like story content through it as well. And it was really my first time experiencing like one of the modern raids. And it was super, super fun, Lux. Um, I really love this game because the big design choice of raiding and doing end game content is they're really fun to do and you don't have to do them all the time and you can go play other games. You doesn't matter if you miss a week, doesn't matter if you don't play every day, you can pretty much get your important stuff done. And then if you want to keep going, you can keep playing because it's fun to play, but it's like not sucking your life away. And that's what you want, right? Like, yeah, you want these to be like, like it's the same thing. Like you like right now, 
it feels like what we're looking for for both of us are games we can just dip into for a second and chill. Um, like that's why all I've really been doing is is Wildermyth and Wordle variants. Um, yeah, been playing Letteral, the one where you try to guess which letter it is. That one's kind of disgusting. That one kind of sucks. Uh, and then I've been playing Absurdal, which is really fun, where the word changes every time you enter letters. But like the it like. If you get if you get if you get greens, they stay green like the letter stays in the same place or if you get yellows like the letter stays in the word. But the word changes every time. So it's like a fun like it's kind of like a bucking bronco thing. It's like a lot more challenging and competitive and like uh, interactive than Wordle Classic. I'm releasing a game called Securedal where you type in your social security number. <laughs> Hell yeah. Every, every day you type in your social security that's a, number. It's always a nine digit number. You just gotta, <laughs> just gotta put in the right one. Um, so yeah, uh, so like the, the, the raids are really fun in a few ways because they're separated into four wings. Each wing has quests and like story around it as they lead you through this like long narrative that's built into the raid, which is super fun. I'm not used to like that. Wow. Does not do that the same way. Um, and then it's just really fun because like you do the raid wings once a week, I got some items that I then converted into cool new raid gear, which made my character look cool. Cool. And I was done. I was satisfied. But like, it was like, I got to play these really fun boss fights that had really difficult mechanics that like I died a lot in the first time. But then week two, I came back. I was like, oh, I died to all these mechanics last time, but ooh, nah, I dodged it this time. Ooh, I got it this time. And I got like a little bit better. And I was like, this is just like a great way to experience content. I don't feel tied to it. Um, I don't feel chained to a progression system that makes me log in every day. Um, yeah, it fucking rocks. And I think that not only is it a good for me and people like you and me personally, Lux, but I think it's the way that most MMOs are going to have to design their games for the future because there isn't just that one monolith MMO. There's a bunch of games and people play all sorts of games throughout the years now. So like you have to kind of design around a game that can not be as stressful to people right yeah no you gotta like i just think that people aren't in a place and this is obviously speculative but i feel like the majority of people aren't in a place that people are either insanely in this place or insanely not where like they want to turn their whole ass inside out for gaming time <laughs> um, that's an incredible way of putting that yeah and like right now you and i are very much not doing that like we want to be able to dip in dip out relax like sort of do it as like a, a treat every so often or whatever like bounce between stuff um, and I think that more and more you're going to find people who want to live that way because like there's just stuff like there's a lot of stuff you can do with your time at your computer or in your living room. Like every time I turn on my PS5, I also have the option with a single button to go to Netflix, go to Amazon Prime, go to Hulu, whatever. And like if I have all those options, plus everything's on my PlayStation, plus everything's on my laptop, plus everything's on my phone. Like the idea that I'm going to commit myself to a game every time I want to play a game is crazy. But the idea yeah. that I would want to play an hour and a half of Wildermyth or an hour and a half of Final Fantasy or something, and you have a game that you can dip in and out of that way, I think is just like very contemporary and good. I completely agree. And, you know, final thoughts right before we dip to commercial. The trailer to Strangers of Paradise came out. They play a Frank Sinatra song in it, and it's perfect. It's going to be game of the year. I'm calling it right now. Somebody said it's like a PS2 game that got unstuck from time. Um, <laughs> With like a modern budget. Yeah, and I think that's correct, and that's exciting. It is. 
it looks like exactly what I want. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like really singing to me in a really pure way, uh, that everyone go check that trailer out. It is a masterpiece of a promotional art. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see you after the break. Well, come back from the break. Uh, Griffin, do you want to sing the song? Oh, uh, 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 you'll never see it coming. Yeah. Oh wait, it's persona. If I uh, lose it all, oh, oh, wait. oh slip and fall. I would never run away. There it is. Because we're talking to ta- we're talking Titan. Welcome back to Talking Titan, which is what we should absolutely be calling the segment. It's 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 episode three review of Talking Titan. We've just discovered the title, and I have a. By the time you're listening to this, I've lazily scrapped together the first two Talking Titans and put them on YouTube for you to go check out as well. Yeah, maybe we'll um, a talk on Titan if you want to get really. Well, we can. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's a little better. Um, but either way, Mike. Okay, so the first two episodes, let's just get right into it. The first two episodes were good. This episode yeah. was great. Yeah, it's. um. It's a lot like the movie Four Brothers, but in this title, it's called Two Brothers. Yeah, and you might think that means it's half as good, but you'd be wrong. Yeah, they could have cut two of those brothers out, I think. Yeah. They kept Mark Wahlberg and... Uh, Toby Maguire, right? Wasn't he in that? Uh, yeah, but those. then we just had the two white guys. Oh, yeah. Who are, And then who are the other ones? Let me... I'm, all right, we're going to... Was was Toby Maguire one of the brothers? Feel- Damn. Oh, no, I'm totally wrong. Who are the four brothers? It was Toby McGuire needs to be like a dad on like a on like a sitcom or something like that. He's uh he needs to get back out there. Yeah, that's true. Looks like a looks like a weird guy now. I like it. Yeah, he does look weird, which is good. Um, sorry, our four brothers. I was really I don't know why I thought Toby McGuire. Um, I guess the title of this episode was Two Brothers. Was the point? Yeah, uh, it's Mark Wahlberg, Tyrese Gibson, Andre Three Thousand, and Garrett Headland are your four brothers. Well, I wow, that this is a Sophie's choice. This is impossible. Yeah, uh, and there are a lot of impossible choices on this week's episode of Attack on Titan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow, Jesus. Um, uh, yeah, what an incredible episode. Uh, obviously, spoilers. Um, hard to even know where to start with this one because I was emotionally shocked and like rattled and like was still processing events later. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. And, and I also I realized, like, at this point, that the show isn't gonna be fun. And that, and that I'm going to be left more like distraught. Yeah. I mean, by, like, like than anything. Right. I think that is a big part of this is that this episode included a lot of the things, the kind of visuals and types of moments that in seasons kind of one through three were kind of the jump out of your chair and cheer kind of moments. The scouts fucking rallying out of nowhere. Aaron busting out like newfound crazy Titan techniques to save the, to like save himself and win the day. Um, surprise allies, surprise enemies, like all the stuff that we kind of like love about the show. But in this episode, it all felt bad and scary and upsetting. I I, I was messaging you. I was messaging you why you while you were watching it. And I was like, yeah, welcome to hell. This is this is now a show about being in hell. Yeah, uh, because a lot is. of dark stuff happened. I mean, essentially, the episode is all about 
the two brothers trying to reconnect and, and get in physical contact to, I guess, start whatever that founding ancient power thing is. Um, and every character, a, a lot of characters are trying to stop Aaron from making it there. He's fighting with, uh, uh, it starts with him, you know, fighting fucking Falco and, uh, or is it Porco? Sorry. It's, yeah, Porco, uh, it's Porco who's Porco. The- and then just cr- the jaw titan and then just dunking him and just absolutely KOing him, uh, getting in a fight with uh, the armored titan. And it's kind of this like race to like see if he can get to the beast titan in time. Yeah. And it rules because the show could very easily just be like Aaron somehow beasts these guys. Right. Like that. That's fully within like sort of the range of what happens on this show. Um, and the type of thing that happens. But that's not what happens. What happens is Aaron has to escape from his giant Titan body and run on foot to get to Zeke, which opens up a whole bunch of dangers that we'll get into uh, in a little bit. But I just think that's such a good choice because, like, you don't want Aaron to feel unstoppable until, mm-hmm. like, if the show makes the move, I think it's eventually going to make where Aaron becomes the bad thing. He should feel unstoppable then. But until that moment, he needs to have he needs to feel vulnerable, like for the narrative to work. And I think there's like this is this is why the show is so fucking good is because the show really does understand how to cultivate drama out of these kind of moments. Um, I I also think that like it's a, it is like this it's this familiar trope of like before someone uh, like becomes like a true like evil God, they are they're like maybe oftentimes at their weakest, like. Um, I think of like in Berserk, like before spoilers for Berserk, but like Griffith's transformation to an evil god is when he's literally physically like m- like at his lowest, like he's like on, on a verge of death. Um, and so like yeah, like keeping keeping these people like like weak is very dramatically interesting. Um, but yeah, so like Aaron is just trying to make it. Uh, he's he's running now. Um, and now Mikasa and the gang show up to help Aaron in the final moments because Aaron still wouldn't have made it without, without these guys, they come up with their, uh, you know, their missile launchers and they blast, uh, the armored Titan away. Uh, and Aaron just keeps on booking it. Um, meanwhile, uh, like Peak is just blowing bullets into the beast Titan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like just shredding him with bullets. Um, and then it's like, oh, like Aaron's right there. He's like, he's gonna make it to to Zeke in time. And then we just turn. And who's there but Gabby with the biggest anti-Titan gun you've ever seen? Dude, the gun is like four times her size and it rules. <laughs> it is the best shot. It is the I was standing up out of my chair and screaming like I was watching the Super Bowl. It was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was uh, like and she just fucking pops. Him. Yeah, I um, it was funny because I was actually answering a message from you when that happened. So I look down, I hear this when I look up and his head is just flying through the air. And I was like, what the fuck? And just had to like rewind 30 seconds. And it's such a fucking moment. Um. Cause she get she just clean blasts him in the neck and his head just swivels off. Yeah, and then but the way they show it, it's like he shoots him, his head flies up, and then they do this thing where they just freeze the entire fucking battle, 
And the camera's just moving through these, like, frozen moments where, like, Connie's, like, swinging and gasps and, like, Armin's, like, ah, and Mikasa's, like, cutting someone in half and guns are firing, but it's all frozen in time. And we're moving through it. And it's all these little, like, tableaus and scenes of just, like, carnage it's- and death and, like, destruction and chaos. And we finally end with, like, Aaron's body and his head flying off. And then his head lands in Zeke's big old monkey man hand. <laughs> Yeah, he caught it. He caught the ball. Yeah, uh, and see, this is why uh, baseball is important. Very important to this show in particular. Uh, just a yeah, a total moment of like, oh, the main character has died, and like we kind of feel like we've died too because the animation almost breaks. It like stops. Yeah. It's like the medium itself was transforming in front of us as we were like experiencing Aaron's death. That was very cool and very effective. Yeah, um, it did and- two really cool things. One was like it created these weird distances and weird like shapes and distortions. That really puts you in this moment of like, what the fuck is going on? And then also there's like this thing that people talk about in real life where like it feels like time freezes in these huge moments or like there are these moments in history that like are calcified as singular instances like JFK getting shot, Franz Ferdinand getting shot, shit like that. And this is like it's very much putting this moment into that sort of strategy. Szechuan sauce. Yeah, the, right. The moment that Rick and Morty introduced the Szechuan sauce. These are the no, kind of... The, the moment they took it away. Well, yeah. The, well, actually, honestly, it was the moment that that guy jumped on the counter at McDonald's and screamed, I want Szechuan sauce. Yeah, that's when time broke. Yeah. <laughs> Everything got bad after that. Anyways, um, something to look into. Yeah, so, the, so then we are on a 2001 Space Odyssey LSD trip. Uh, and then we end up in the sand realm. And, uh, to quote everyone's favorite rapper, Kanye West, that's that shit I don't like. Like, yeah, uh-huh. I just, I talked about this before. Oh, we talked this in our DMS. Like, I just think that this like weird magic lore shit is like, I understand yeah. there has to be some of it. There has to be some like why Zeke's plan makes sense, blah, blah, blah. But we don't need to meet the founding Titan Ymir who lives in a magic yeah. desert yeah, uh, Ymir Fritz, that's that shit I don't like. Yeah, because the, the whole thing is that they get there and she's there and Aaron, like, I fucking popped. I fucking all caps texted Griffin. I was so excited because Zeke is like, all right, it's time to do the euthanasia thing. And Aaron's like, are you seriously thought I was going to fucking do Let, that? Let's set it. Let's set it up even right, a little get, bit yeah, more. Give it, give it some more. Like, like. Zeke is in chains, like yeah. on the ground, and he's like all Jesified. He's got like Jesus beard and hair, and he's like, I've been here for forever. Like, I don't know how time works, but like, you just got here. That's crazy. Um, like, he's like clearly like almost lost his mind. Like, he does seem like really fucked up. Yeah. But he's he's chained into the ground and we see the little mysterious little girl, Ymir Fritz, um, in the distance. And Aaron starts walking towards her and Zeke's like, now we're going to do the euthanasia plan and then we can do the rumbling later. Don't worry about it. And then we finally get Aaron's real intentions revealed. He's like, actually, you stay in the chains. I'm going to do what I want. And it's definitely not euthanizing Eldians. Yeah, it's definitely unleashing the rumbling and like getting this revenge, this like violent revenge. Yeah. And so that's like supposed to be a big moment where like the audience is like, oh, like finally we know what Aaron's up to, because I do think like it has been really like 
a crazy narrative move that's been really like psychically effective to me, but like crazy is that, you know, for the first three seasons, we are with Aaron and we are experiencing what Aaron experiences and we are learning things as Aaron learns them. But for the first time in this final season, we Aaron has had his own life outside of us and we almost feel just like his friends like divorced and like separated from him uh in this like narrative way because we're not with him anymore yeah, we don't know why he makes his decisions that's a really good point because i do think we are a lot more closely aligned with armin and mikasa now than than our than aaron and more than we've ever been in the show because just like them we're kind of forced to decide like how much do we believe in like the innate goodness of aaron and how much do we trust him Versus how much do we view him as a threat or like a monster or whatever. Um, and that's the choice that they have to make also. And so in this moment, this is kind of this vindicate. Well, not vindication because doing the rumbling is like psycho shit. But yeah. like there is this moment of at least he's not doing Zeke's crazy genocide. But then Zeke is like, actually, there's more rules. <laughs> which is literally I he activates a Yu-Gi-Oh trap card. He's literally just doing yeah, a Yu-Gi-Oh trap up, like, card. I play Pot of Greed. It's and that's that shit I don't yeah. like. Like like I that, and that sometimes yeah. happens in Attack on Titan, especially when they're like learning the mysterious powers of the Titan. Uh, that kind of can be like a writing escape for them sometimes. But this time it did feel particularly frustrating. And that's that Zeke basically is like, actually, I've been here for so long. I figured out how this world works. And I these are fake chains. And now here's real chains on you. I'm chaining you here in this realm because you're not on my side. And I'm going to keep going with the plan. Yeah. The secret thing that he figures out is that the the, the magical founding Titan Ymir is like is bound to sort of be controlled by the people with the royal blood. Um, yeah, this fucking that- royal blood. And that Aaron's thing is that, like, he can channel power through the royal blood or whatever that, like, like by teaming up with Zeke, but that Zeke has ultimate control over this, like, founding Titan and these paths and shit. Um, it and ju- that's, like, it just, just doesn't big, make any the s- big reveal. It just doesn't make any sense for me that, like, why wouldn't Aaron also have royal blood? Because um, it was Zeke's mom. Who had royal oh, blood, and not like Zeke's the, dad. They covered this. Yeah, they covered this. It's in just, the flashback, in the flashback episodes. Yeah, a lot happened there. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, again, it's like, I guess it's like dramatically exciting to to like have Zeke as this sort of like villain that keeps, keeps, keeps coming back, you know? Um, like it's nice to have him still on the table because it that makes things like very conflict, uh, you know, and uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there, but it is again, the moment where you said it best, damn, it's like, I hate when people are just like, actually, I know more rules than you. Yeah. It's Harry Potter bullshit. I got no time for it. Um, I hope next week fucking Levi shows up, kills Zeke and Aaron does a rumbling and we get the shit rolling. Cause like. I need. I feel like we have. I feel like the Levi and Zeke have to have a round three, because um, they've had these like two insanely good fights already, and I feel like they have to sort of like be each other's kind of final boss, um, yeah. just in the way the story is built. And then I feel like I'm just like I'm done with the Zeke plan. I'm. I want to know. Like, I want Aaron to go fucking nasty. I want Aaron to become fucking psycho, destroy everything, and I want to watch the scouts try and figure out how to beat him and like figure out if they can like muscle up the courage to kill their friend who's become like the death destroyer of the world. Like that's enough for a whole fucking season. That's dense shit. 
Um, and I'm ready for that to be the story. And I think that's where it's going. And so I'm ready to like, let's fucking, I love this episode. I really hope this episode is sort of the close of act one of the season. And we get into sort of the act two and three, like the real meat of the core tension, which is like that there's this question of like how much violence and militarism and shit is justified in this like pursuit of freedom or safety or whatever. And that's an open question and where that line is for Aaron and Mikasa and Armin, et cetera, is like what the drama is right now. And I want to start answering that question more than I want to figure out who's going to find the loophole that beats Zeke eventually. Like, that's not interesting to me in the same way. And also, it's not Levi. I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, it seems like it's got to be Levi, but I don't I don't know what they're going to do to bring him back at this point because he seems pretty KO'd. Um, but well, he's, you he's know, alive, right? Because. That was the whole thing. The yeah, first episode, super yeah. fucked up though. Yeah, he's a, he's a Hanje. Like something, they're, like he's gonna come back with like weird Hanje experiment. Something happened. You know what I mean? Like, oh uh, yeah, he's like gonna Hanjay come back all fucked up. Arms and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I feel that'd, like. I feel like he's gonna awesome. come back fucking like transhumanized by Hanje's like nasty science. I that's that could be the. That would just be a dream for me. But uh, the last big moment that sort of we forgot to cover that I just wanted to like kind of honorable mention is just the horror of Zeke's scream and that scene with Falco Mm -hmm. just total hell. Like we, we were establishing for a long time, this tension that people had drank the Titan blood and that Falco, this little boy was one of them. And then they bring Falco over to Zeke and they're like, please, like, this is my brother. Don't you understand about having a brother? Uh, Just please like, just wait, just wait till we can get him away. Absolutely the wrong persuasion tactic because he was like, yeah. I do understand about having a brother and that's why I'm going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just that just that sort of just that line from Zeke where he's like, it's a shame. And then he just fucking screams and they all explode. And then Falcon's this weird, long necked, like weird Titan. That's really scary. Yeah, I guess there's um, some hope that we'll still get Falco back. And I hope that we do because because Falco eats Porco. Yeah, because Falco, it looks like, eats the Jaw Titan and will become yeah, the so. Jaw Titan and, and then he'll have some normalcy back, which would be great because, like, I mean, look, this show has no shortage of fucking tragic arcs, but, like, the sort of, like, the story of Falco and Gabby is, like, very moving. These two kids who, like, learned only, like, hate and violence and then finally, like, learn that, like, humans are humans and, like, they form this, like, really powerful bond and, like, Falco's, like, we're in love and Gabby seems to be, like, maybe also, but it's not clear and it's like, I'd like that story to get a little more closure and to like to have those characters do a couple more things before Falco goes crazy. I mean, obviously, if next episode Falco eats Gabby, like that's still pretty fun. But like, I, I would like to see them get a little bit more room to play. So I hope that he eats the Jaw Titan and survives and like gets to do some more stuff. Yeah. And I also thought it was just it was it was it was a, such a hellish moment in so many ways. But it was also this moment where it's like for a while, Reiner's like, oh, like I beat Aaron. Now, finally, I can die. And he's like trying to get Falco to eat him. Uh, and it's this whole scene where it's like, damn, Reiner just is begging for someone to kill him at this point. This Dude, poor guy. Reiner reminded me of this tweet that I saw where that's like being a food taster sounds great because you get a free food and every once in a while you get to die. <laughs> Um, and that's like what it reminded me of is that like he's he has this cause that he like believes in super hard and that he's like really dedicated to and the only way he can ever be free of his obligation is to die and that is the thing that he wants like he wants like or rather he wants to complete his goal he doesn't know if he ever can but like he needs to just be dead like he just needs to be free of this obligation because he can never be free while he's alive um, and the, he has that realization, like in his like dying Titan body. And he's like, Falco, you got to eat me. And Falco's like, no, no. Yeah. 
Bug is like, no, gotta love me. <laughs> I'm the baby. Uh, well, that was a really incredible episode. And I do agree, Lux. I'm really excited to see, like, now the stage has been set. Let's see. Let's, let's go. Let's go. I really am excited for the season transitioning going forward. Um, speaking of great episodes, this was a great episode of the Game Boys podcast. And thank you all for listening so, so much. Uh, rate and review is something I want to try to remind people to do if you can. Because now you can do it on Spotify. You can do it on Apple yes. Music. You do it everywhere. So give us a five-star rating and review it. Let other people see the show. Um, and uh, we got some cool guests, I think, lined up coming up sometime soon. I got to talk to you about that, but I talked to people today. Um so that's cool. exciting. So, so stay tuned for that. And also make sure to check out Haley on YouTube and Instagram at Eat Every Sound. Find Griffin on Twitter and TikTok at Griffin P. Davis and on twitch.tv slash Chumroom for streaming. And as far as I'm concerned, you can find me on Twitter at Tailboy. That's T-A-I-L underscore B-O-I. And on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Pixel Goblins every Wednesday at 830. Except maybe not this Wednesday. We're still figuring that out. Um where we stream either EDF or Shin Megami Tensei, depending on uh, COVID. And we also stream Final Fantasy and other games on other days of the week as well. Um, So go check that out. And you guys are great. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have fun. Goodbye. And also our NFT Game Boys coming soon. Nope. Sorry. (laughs) 